Hello and welcome to LTC DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Directors of Nursing Services, AADNS. I'm your host, Rebecca, and today AADNS Curriculum Development Specialist, Denise Wenzeller, will talk about how the DNS can be prepared for the upcoming flu season. Welcome, Denise. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm glad to be here to discuss this important topic with you. Although COVID-19 is at the forefront of everyone's mind, flu season is just around the corner and it's coming whether we're ready for it or not. Let's see how we can get ready in time. Denise, can you tell us about how the DNS can get prepared for the flu season this year? Absolutely, Rebecca. I want to discuss four key areas the DNS should focus on, not only to be prepared for the flu season, but also to stay in compliance with regulatory requirements. The first area is personal protective equipment, or PPE. Does your facility have enough? Residents with influenza require droplet precautions, which means additional PPE, such as gloves, face masks, and eye protection. If your facility has not established a power level for your PPE, or the minimum amount of PPE you need in order to meet the demand, you're gonna to need to do so as soon as possible to ensure that there's enough PPE for staff as needed. And due to COVID-19, facilities may be struggling with maintaining supply. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC, offers guidance for optimizing PPE on its website, along with a burn rate calculator for facilities facing shortages of PPE. Not only does the facility need adequate PPE to prevent and reduce the spread of infection from influenza or COVID, but surveyors will be reviewing PPE stock to determine if it's adequate when they're in the facility. And if PPE was in short supply, Surveyors will also review steps the facility took to address the shortage. Once the PPE supply has been established, the DNS needs to make sure facility staff know when and how to use it. Both OSHA and CMS require staff members to be competent in this area, and it's a large focus of the infection control survey. Facility leaders should conduct competency observation of staff prior to the flu season and provide ongoing just-in-time education when a staff member is observed in noncompliance. AADNS has a personal protective equipment donning and doffing competency tool free to members that can help with this. It's available on the APACN Coronavirus Updates and Essential Resources for LTPAC webpage on aapacn.org under Resources. The second area is the influenza vaccine itself, which is an essential part of protecting our residents. Most of you have hopefully been in touch with your pharmacy already and have pre-ordered the vaccine. If you haven't, they strongly urge you to contact them today and place your order. When ordering, make sure to include enough vaccines for any new admissions you feel may arrive and need a vaccine. I would also check to ensure the facility has an adequate supply of syringes and needles to administer the vaccine. 
The CDC recommends an annual influenza vaccine for all eligible persons six months and older. Vaccination recommendations can be found on their website at cdc.gov. CMS also has requirements related to the vaccinations. Appendix PP of the State Operations Manual under FTAG 883 provides the guidance that surveyors will be applying. And it states that the facility must develop policies and procedures to ensure that each resident is offered an influenza immunization from October 1 through March 31 annually unless the immunization is medically contraindicated or the resident has already received immunization during this time period. The facility should secure the supply from their pharmacy by the end of September or as soon thereafter as possible. Each resident or his or her representative receives education on potential side effects of the vaccine. This should be completed when obtaining consent at least one week prior to administration of the vaccine. Facilities should have a plan in place for this, especially if there are restrictions on visitation. And lastly, the resident or residence representative has the opportunity to refuse immunization. Vaccine administrations and refusals alike should be documented in the medical record. So what does this mean for skilled nursing facilities? Facility leaders should review current flu education, screening, and consent forms to ensure they are current with the CDC guidelines. And since visitations are now limited due to COVID-19, make sure to have a solid plan on how to reach resident representatives for the education and consent. Ensure documentation of all education, consents, and refusals have been completed and are in the medical record. Be sure to watch for the new free flu and pneumonia vaccine audit tool that's coming out in October on the AADNS website that can assist with this. And lastly, ensure there is enough staff on hand to administer the vaccine and to assess residents afterwards per facility policy. Thank you, Denise. This is great information so far. Listeners, please stay tuned when we take a quick commercial break. Documenting the care and services provided to residents has never been more important than during the public health emergency caused by COVID-19. AADNS's Documentation Toolkit for the Nurse Leader delivers a set of tools and resources designed to help you and your team make lasting improvements to documentation. Learn more at aadns-ltc.org slash education slash documentation dash toolkit. Welcome back. Let's continue our discussion with Denise Winzeller about how to get prepared for flu season. Denise, what are the remaining two areas you suggest for the DNS to focus on for successful management of influenza? Rebecca, the third area is testing and precautions. The CDC states influenza testing should occur in the facility when residents show sign and symptoms of influenza-like illness. Although COVID-19 and influenza share many similarities, 
the CDC guidance, which can be found on their website, emphasizes key differences that may assist the facility and the physician in determining if an influenza test is warranted, such as COVID-19 symptoms include change or loss of sense of smell and taste. Incubation times, influenza symptoms develop between one to four days after infection, whereas COVID-19 symptoms develop five days after infection. Residents with influenza are contagious for approximately one day prior to showing signs and symptoms and are most contagious for the initial three to four days, but may remain contagious for seven days. And although how long someone can spread the COVID-19 virus is still under investigation, it's believed that they may be contagious for approximately two days prior to showing symptoms and remain contagious for around 10 days after the signs and symptoms first appear. It's also believed that asymptomatic people can remain contagious for 10 days after testing positive. I would recommend the DNS ensure there are enough influenza test kits in-house prior to the season in case they're needed. And also, as I stated a few minutes ago, residents with influenza will need to be placed in droplet precautions. So have a plan on how and where these residents will reside when placed in isolation. And remember, although the symptoms may be familiar, residents with influenza cannot be placed in the COVID-19 area during isolation. The final area I would like to discuss today is staff education. It's very important piece of the infection control puzzle and should begin as soon as possible. Some key areas for education should include facility policy and procedure on isolation precautions and cohorting, hand hygiene, PPE utilization and donning and doffing. And the education for these two procedures should be combined with a verification of competency. And free competency tools for both can be found on the APACA and Coronavirus Updates and Essential Resources for LTPAC webpage on aapacn.org under resources to assist you. Facility policy and procedure on influenza vaccination of residents, including but not limited to consents, education and screening of residents and or resident representatives, administration of vaccine, monitoring of residents post-vaccination, signs and symptoms of influenza, and facility policy and procedure for influenza testing. Focusing on these key areas will assist the DNS in preparing for the 2020 through 2021 flu season. It may also help with ongoing coronavirus preparedness and response as well. I know this is a very trying time for everyone, and hopefully this will help our listeners to avoid being overwhelmed by the rapidly approaching flu season. Thank you so much, Denise. This information is very helpful. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. 
If this podcast was informative and helpful, please hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a future episode. For more resources and tools for nurse leaders, please visit our website at www.aadns-ltc.org. 